Paging Dr. Randy. Paging Dr. Randy. I just got on call and they're paging me already. They want me to do work as soon as I get to work. Come on, let's go. Yes, you, come on. Well, I'm Dr. Randy, nice to meet you. I'm a licensed family medicine physician. Since you're on call with me today, I want to make sure you learn as much as possible. Me and a few of my special friends are here to give you all the tips and info you need to live a balanced, healthy life. Are you ready to be on call with me? I hope so. So let's get it going. Our shift starts right now. Welcome back, healthy people, to On Call with Dr. Randy, your source of health information every Wednesday, sponsored by Heinz Entertainment Group. It's mid-December, and that means only a few more days left to give me a Christmas gift. Yes, only a few more days. You can do it. I believe in you. But seriously, the best gift you can give me is listening to this episode and sharing it with someone else. So if you like this episode and want to give me a gift, send this episode to someone else. I'd greatly appreciate it. I hope you all enjoyed last week's episode on black maternal mortality. It was a really great topic. Be sure to go back and listen to it if you didn't listen to it already. This week I have on Kenny and Siobhan Philpott. These college sweethearts attended Eastern Michigan University and have been married for 17 years and have three beautiful children. Kenny is a former NFL football player who now works for Google and Siobhan is an award-winning realtor and investor. One thing I've learned while doing this podcast is that people love to hear inspirational stories. What I wanted to do with this episode was have on a married couple to discuss how their family and environment at a younger age affected how they both approached their health today. And did this lead to them having any health problems, fear of going to the doctor, or encourage them to go to the doctor regularly? Also, how does a spouse influence their partner's health? That's interesting, Dr. Randy. I know. I know it's interesting. That's why I want to do an episode on this. I know you will definitely learn a lot from this loving couple. And before we go on call, make sure to follow me on social media at underscore Dr. Randy and fill out the short survey in the show description. Literally takes less than a minute. Unless you're overthinking the question. It literally takes less than a minute on the survey. So let's go on call with former NFL player Kenny Philpott and his real estate mogul wife Siobhan Philpott. So what's up, healthy people? We're back for another episode of On Call with Dr. Randy. We have the king and queen of the city. We have the Philpot family on with me today on today's episode. How y'all doing today? Doing we well. are good. We're doing good. Well. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a long day. I'm out there saving lives and yeah. trying to keep a good work face, yeah. but I'm making it happen. <laughs> Right, yeah. right. So I have the Philpot family on today. We're going to be talking about healthcare in general and basically the way that men and women approach healthcare differently and the type of experiences they may have when going to the doctor's office. But uh, before we get started, who wants to share y'all's love story? Who uh, approach who? If you want the truth, I'll share it. <laughs> I want the truth. I want the truth. We're we going we to let him uh, cut in a little bit and say, yeah. like, that's not how it went. But yeah. I'm, I'm going to let you give the truth. You better tell by my face. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll make it quick. Um, Kenny and I both met in college um, at Eastern Michigan University. We were both a Division One scholarship athletes. I ran track and field. He ran football. I mean, he ran. ran. He, <laughs> he played football. <laughs> Um, we got together then when we were 21 and 22, yeah. 21 and 22 years old. And we just went on, 
ups and downs and all arounds and got married 2005, four years in. Uh, had our first child 2006. And now 2022, we have three babies, six, eight, and 16. 16. And um, we've been married for 17 years. Okay, that's wonderful. Who saw who at who saw who first at Eastern Michigan and just couldn't uh, stop staring at them? Nah, uh, <laughs> I think we know the answer. <laughs> I might be, I might be good. <laughs> I might be good. Stay strong, brother. Stay strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've but, seen it, but you know, but so she we had, she had to know me. She never left. <laughs> ah, that's sweet. That's sweet. So we're having a discussion today just on healthcare in, in general. So what was y'all kind of healthcare experiences growing up as children? Um, did y'all go to the doctors often, like y'all parents bought y'all to have like your yearly physicals or checkups, make sure you got your um, vaccinations, or did y'all not go that often? Like, how was it for you growing up? You can go first. You can go first. You'll be faster. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that might be true. Uh, no, uh. Me growing up from the south side of Chicago, uh, very humble, limited means. So uh, not many doctor visits unless it was emergency room visits for me, honestly. Uh, getting sports physicals, probably the only time I really seen a doctor, like, like I said, outside of an emergency situation. All right, and what about for you, Siobhan? For me, it was the complete opposite. Um, I was raised in Canada. So healthcare was free. And I had parents that were immigrants that um, my dad had lost his mother, you know, in an early age for him. So, you know, everything kind of scared him. And um, because we had the means and healthcare was free, that was a regular, every six months, dentist, every six months, checkup. If a mosquito bit us and it itched for too long, we was gonna go to the doctor and get something for that. <laughs> so it was very regular for us to always check up and, and check on things. So y'all kind of had two different extremes as far as what y'all had growing up individually. Oh, definitely. Definitely extremes because also my, on my mother's side, a lot of my grand aunts and my grandmother all had cancer. Um, so, mm. I mean, my parents were like, get in there, test, 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 make sure, make sure. She always used to say it's better to be um, preventative than to be, t prevention is better than cure. That's what she used to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, Kenny, when you were growing up, did you have some kind of thought process as far as like, oh, I shouldn't I be going to the doctor more or something will happen and they tell you just go sleep it off in certain instances or maybe you didn't realize that until you became older? Yeah, no, nah, it was uh, nobody went to the doctor that I really knew of, like I said, outside of emergency situations. So it wasn't like I was seeing my parents go to the doctor regularly or grandparents or even friends or neighbors. You know, just wasn't really mm -hmm. talked about we went when when somebody was sick or hurt. Mm -hmm. Man, and then Siobhan, good. like, how did your uh, parents kind of approach going to the doctor? Were they the same kind of way that they treated you as far as like if something happened to them, they they were going immediately? Yeah, they were worse. <laughs> they stay in the mm. doctor. They had the best relationship with their doctor. He's like their best friend. Um, but no, they, they were always there. If anything, as kids, we were just like, you guys are doing too much. <laughs> so we actually didn't go as much as they did because we just thought they were doing a lot. <laughs> okay. So how did that kind of transition over for y'all as y'all became adults and went into college? 
and both being athletes, how did your health approach differently? Specifically kind of starting off with you, Kenny, as far as being an athlete, I'm sure that you were seeing the doctor more often being in college and taking care of your body more. Uh, nah, not really. <laughs> uh, college, we, we obviously we saw the trainers and stuff. You know, we always we had team doctors that always you know took a look at us and um, you know kind of evaluated us on a regular. We did physicals annually, you know, sports physicals, things like that. If they might notice something, uh, then yeah, recommend some kind of treatment or a doctor visit or you know somewhere along that. Uh, it wasn't really many like blood samples or things like that given to check for you know cholesterol or hypertension or different things like that um mm -hmm. it was really just to make sure we were physically healthy and uh, able to perform mm -hmm. and what about you siobhan um the thing is in college it's really what it is college life and unfortunately you know coaches used to tell us you you i know they say you guys are student athletes but you're really athlete students so it's like once you're on scholarship, they like own you almost. And it's like, I don't want to make it a negative thing because it was such a great experience. But I mean, if some, unless something is wrong, you're going, it's not like they're taking special care to make sure everybody's going for their, you know, pap smears. And they're not taking that type of special care. They're just making sure you're physically able to perform. So it's more athletic. To care. get on the field. So they were right. Yeah, they weren't doing more so like preventative stuff, kind of like what you were talking about, Kenny, like making sure your cholesterol good, checking your blood pressure, right. probably not worrying as much. I would think about your mental health, like anxiety and depression. During you have school. to show something was wrong. Yeah. 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 You have to show that something is like terribly wrong. You got to then, fall out on the field or something. Yeah. Then they'd say, oh, hold on, let's check and make sure mm -hmm. that all her numbers are right or all his yeah. stuff are intact. Yeah. Mm hmm. So kind of reflecting back, do you think there's something that they could have done better in any of your circumstances as far as like preventative stuff or mental health stuff during college? Um, they took time. I think they took time to kind of check back into our uh, family medical history. Uh, could have helped us get on top of things early. Like I had um, genetically just hypertension runs through my family. You know, and that was, uh, like I said, if I could have got some kind of knowledge and some kind of, you know, preventative measures in place earlier in my life, maybe I could have avoided it. You know, but, mm -hmm. that, you know, that was never diagnosed to me until I was an adult and never, you know, paid attention to and that was never a concern of any trainer or, you know, team doctor or anything like that. You know, I just missed that opportunity. And what about you, Siobhan? Do you feel like they could have uh, done anything differently? Um, I'm thinking technically, yes, you know, because I'm sure that there were people out there that could possibly use some help mentally because um, it, it's such a tough time. And I'm sure a lot of people could have been going through little depressions and, and rough situations. But, you know, as kids, you're kind of treated like, oh, you're over emotional. Or, so I'm sure that if they tapped into that, it could have made for a better experience for some people, but I might, what I'm gonna say may be against popular opinion. I kind of like that we were just kind of left to fend for ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Because it's kind of like, now that we're older, I just kind of, if we were too much babied as kids or in that time in life, I don't think we'd be able to take the real world the way we took it. It, it takes a lot for mm -hmm. us to feel like we need to be coddled at this yeah. point in our life. Because we never really were. We were able to just kind of mm -hmm. get through 
how we get through. I agree with what she's saying, but then um, just the flip side of that as well, um, when you talk about mental health, um, we get somebody that was that was raised in the circumstances and in, in the community that I was raised in, where a lot of the abnormal seemed normal. Um, mm-hmm. Once I was out of that environment, it was never explained to me that that what I grew up and what I know to be normal was not normal. So I was continue mm-hmm. to I was allowed to continue to live in that mind space. Yeah, they probably should have got you yeah. out of that. Right. <laughs> Which, which from that standpoint, made me look at a lot of stuff that was probably a big deal as looking at it not to be a big deal because I feel like I've seen the worst growing up and been through the worst. So just looking at certain stuff that didn't seem like a big deal that I probably should have taken care of or treated differently or approached differently, you know, was just uh, that was another, I think, missed opportunity through my college experience, you know. With my change of environment. Mm-hmm. Can you get an example of anything in particular? Uh, what abnormal being normal? Mm-hmm. Oh. So I, I'll give you an, an abnormal being normal for me. Uh-huh. It may not be as drastic as what you may give an example, right. but just for me, like in high school, like I thought it was normal that my teacher would try to sell me a piece of sweet potato pie, like in class. I would turn in my homework and they would ask me, do I want to buy like a slice of sweet potato pie? Or I can go down the hallway and somebody try to sell me a turkey leg. This is in high school. This is like something that I felt like was normal. But when you get out that environment and talk to other people, it's like, nah, nobody's trying to sell me like a turkey leg in the middle of class. Like, like, did you go to a medieval school? Yeah, I went to a regular black high school. it's like here's here's my math homework and I don't need a turkey leg. Like, <laughs> right, I'm right. good. Like that 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 was my normal for me. Yeah. But getting out that that zone, like okay, that's that's not normal. Right, so right. What what example would you kind of use for yourself? <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot different than a turkey leg <laughs> or, or, or <laughs> school. Um, not just a really the normal of um, dealing with death. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know somebody like. During my high school, my four years of high school, I probably lost maybe five classmates to murder. You know, uh, mm-hmm. probably another 10 plus that went to prison, you know, for substantial amounts of time, things like that, for murder, drugs, and different things like that. So uh, just seeing people not show up to school no more <laughs> was normal. You know what I mean? Just like, all right, yeah, damn, such and such got killed last week. Or, Oh, you heard about such and such? Mm-hmm. You know, he got locked up last week. Or he went to court last week and they gave him 10 years. Mm. You know, things like that. But it was just, that was, that was, that was Tuesday, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. So yeah. when did you have that epiphany moment as far as that not being normal for everyone? Uh, when I got to college, uh, just hearing a lot of stories, you know, from people from different places, different regions of the country. Um, something like that, but probably especially when her and I got together. Uh, we set up and swapped stories, and you know, my story sounded like the Wire TV show, and hers sounded like the Cosby mm-hmm. show. <laughs> you know, so she looking at me like, that stuff is real, and I'm looking at her like, you really live like that? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so, you know, just listening to other people's unique experiences and, you know, 
like I said, the things that they see as a big deal versus the things that I was considering a big deal. Mm-hmm. And did you feel like that stuff may have affected you on later on in life? Uh, yeah, it affected. I think it affected me positively and negatively. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, probably negative impact would have been. I probably should have been paying more attention to some of the stuff I thought wasn't a big deal, because it probably was. It was a bigger deal than I believed it to be. But then, uh, positively, I felt like it gave me the uh, composure not to panic in situations. You know, mm-hmm. like, all right, this could be worse. And I've seen worse. Just be cool. Stop. Think about it. Figure it out and push through. Mm-hmm. So did you kind of use that same mindset when you were playing, like, in the NFL? Like, okay, it's fourth and one. Like, I've seen worse, been through worse, <laughs> but they're not, they not going to get through uh, me. No, nah, football was just – that was just always the – that was a safe haven. You know, none of that uh, – None of that stuff meant anything once I was in between those lines. It was it was a game I knew, it was a game I loved, it was a game I was good at. So you know, I just mm-hmm. in every situation I felt prepared. You know, I knew what I was doing and I was able to, you know, trust my ability and my talent. So uh probably somewhere in the back of my mind, you know, I was do- know I was doing it for mm-hmm. bread and meat. <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh <laughs> it's a comfort zone. All right. So as you transitioned from college and went to the NFL, like how did you start approaching your health differently from that standpoint? Uh, I think the team took a little bit more of an interest because they had more invested in us, you know, money-wise, bottom line, they want to check our health. So that's when we started getting introduced to EKGs and different things like that. Uh, healthcare plans where, you know, we actually can choose physicians and go and see physicians. So... But still at that time, I was super young and feeling like I was in tip-top mm-hmm. shape. So, you know, strong, had my youth, feeling halfway invincible, you know. Still didn't have that that <laughs> that need. that I didn't have that desire to, to run to the doctor because it wasn't familiar to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was still foreign. It was still, mm-hmm. I'll right, go if I feel weird or something's wrong or if it's an emergency. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Though, though it was available to me, it just it wasn't natural. Mm-hmm. So when most uh, individuals um, that I kind of know start playing professional sports, they f- start focusing more a lot on their diet, yeah. like hiring a chef or really paying more attention to the things that go into them. So mm-hmm. did you start switching up your diet? And if so, like, what was that like for you? Uh, it wasn't a, a yeah, it wasn't a super focus on my diet because uh, ate at the facility primarily. Then um, mm-hmm. Siobhan, my girlfriend, then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> she started cooking a little more and paying attention to what she was cooking and what we were eating. And, and uh, we're going to sleep and way early. Rest. Yeah, we're yeah. going to sleep. Like, lights were out every single day during the week at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Like, it was never after that. Ooh. Yeah. And I was still in college. <laughs> and we were we were very serious about his yeah. rest because they were getting up before the crack of dawn to view film. Mm-hmm. and yeah. So my friends just knew they couldn't come over. Yeah. It, it was about him getting his rest. Mm-hmm. That was very big. Yeah. So sleep is very important to y'all. It once was. <laughs> it's hard to get it. It's hard to get it. It's hard to get it, but we, we know that when we do tap back into that health space where we're saying we need to do better, Kenny, we need to do better. Mm-hmm. One of the first things we do is try to shut it down early. Like we try to get into the bed, at least be laying in there. <laughs> like, 
by at least 10, 11 o'clock because we'll easily stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning with work in the morning. Like, easily just be yeah. up for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. So, Siobhan, like, how, like, for you, you did sports in college, too. Like, how many years did you do, like, track and field? Uh, the, on the collegiate level for four years. Prior to that, I just did it, I would say, another maybe five years before that, like, starting in the eighth grade and, you know, went throughout um, elementary school and went on into high school. But in Canada, sports aren't taken as seriously, so it was more like a hobby. I was just blessed enough to have the opportunity to um, go to another level and take it to the U.S., where... I realized that it was a whole different world. So I was a hermit. I was about, like, I, I didn't drink when I was in school. Um, I didn't do any narcotics. <laughs> like, I didn't do anything like that. That's how I, because I like to eat whatever I want to eat. So I just made sure that I kept myself clean on that level. Like, I wasn't partying. You know, I, I just kept my mind right and stayed out of all the mess. I also was a little bit terrified of Americans. <laughs> So it helped me to stay inside. <laughs> like he said, what? what were you watching on TV in Canada that had you Boys so afraid of us? Boys in the hood. <laughs> okay. 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 If, if, if that's where you started at, shoot, I'd be afraid too. <laughs> I would have stayed in Canada. Right. You right. just went straight to Michigan. You didn't go that far. You just like, all right, I'm going to just take one little step across. The <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I ain't going to go too far now. Put a toe in. <laughs> right, right. So what was that transition like for you healthcare wise from going from an athlete and always seeing the trainer to you being more so on your own and having to manage your health care as an adult? So the funny thing is, after college, when we, we moved to Chicago, actually, after college, and we were at that point trying to figure out what we're going to do next, right? He stopped playing. And only the right, what does every athlete do out of college that doesn't go straight into a job? They become a personal trainer. <laughs> so uh -huh. we became personal trainers at the same gym. And um, it was funny because we were telling people all the things that they were supposed to do and we weren't always doing it. So it helped us to say, after you say it enough every day, all day, and people are buying into it because you're telling them the truth, it's, it's facts. Mm -hmm. You start to say, well, Kenny, we really got to keep yeah. in shape so that we could continue to make this money because they're looking at us walking in the gym and they're like, oh, I want to look like you. I want to look like you. So that's what motivated us to get keep our fitness where it was at outside of college now because we wanted to be yeah. good personal trainers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's like one of those things that you had to be a good example for the people that y'all were training. Yes. Right. Yeah. It still didn't hit home yet. Right, right. It's, he, he can explain mm -hmm. to you when it actually started to hit. As we got older and the weight started to pack on, and right. why is my knee hurting me? Why is my back? <laughs> Do you realize that every other week it's something else hurting? Yeah. We're like, wait a minute, are we getting old? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, all those teachings from my parents and, you know, breast cancer runs through the family. It just all started to get real, kind of like in our mid to late 30s, yeah. where we started. And then you found out you had mm -hmm. high blood pressure. Yeah. yeah. And that's when stuff started to click. Okay. Yeah. So what was that like for you, Kenny, when you first started, like when you first got diagnosed with high blood pressure? Were you having symptoms or did you go in and get checked and they told you that? So I had um, taken the flight. I was working in, was I in Tennessee at the time? I think I might've been working in, no, Miss, Mississippi. I was working in Mississippi. I, Flown to uh, Toronto to visit her and her daughter. And on the way back, 
I had a terrible headache on the flight. And I got off the flight and my nose was bleeding. And then I got up the next day for work, still had the headache. So I went to our, um, our on-site medical office and they took my blood pressure and my blood pressure was like, uh, it's like 173 over uh, like 130 or something like that. It was something ridiculous and they like called the ambulance for me. You know, sent me to the, uh, straight to the ER. And then that's when I was told I had hypertension. So okay, yeah, it had to be really hard for you to start having like nosebleeds going on. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, they, they were scared. They was like, I don't know how you haven't had a stroke yet. Mm. Well, how my blood pressure mm-hmm. was that day when, right. they take, when they took it. So then, yeah, from there it was like, wow, that, that was eye opener. And then uh, prior to that, my father had had a, uh, a stroke and had a hemorrhaging on the brain that destroyed all his motor skills and had him bedridden. So, mm. yeah, so it, it made it real for me. So before then, with you being diagnosed with high blood pressure, were you eating right, exercising before that, like the year or two before that, and this was kind of a surprise, or had you kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit? Yeah, I had, yeah, I had fallen off the wagon, yeah, as far as uh, like working out and just my health care period. I was working in the construction field at this time. So I'm out there, uh, like I said, in Mississippi, it's hot. Um, working 60-hour weeks and things like that. So, yeah, working out wasn't it. Uh, Working on the road, um, in and out of hotels or apartments, so it was fast food daily, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I kind of had packed on a little weight. I went from, like, my regular weight that had been around 250. Now I was teetering 280, 285, um, around in that area, like I said. Yeah, just not taking care of myself, just, you know, buried in work. And so, Siobhan, like, how did this kind of affect you with him uh, being diagnosed with high blood pressure? Were you worried for him? I was very worried. Um, At that time, I think think when you told me that, you, you still hadn't gone to a dentist yet, remember? Yeah. So at that time, I started to ride him. You need to start mm-hmm. going to the dentist regularly mm-hmm. because of what that can cause for your heart. And then after his dad got sick, I just got annoying. Okay. <laughs> I just got annoying <laughs> after, after the show. <laughs> I, became, I became my parents, right? Yeah. I was just constantly mm-hmm. like, every six months, who's your family doctor? You know, because he was traveling so much. So I, we weren't even in the same country at the time. Right. So I had, because our daughter was so little. So I was back in Canada at this point. And I was just like, you need to get a family doctor. You need to get a regular dentist. You know, you should know these people by first name. I started to kind of onboard him to how I was raised at that point. And it took him a while. But once it clicked to him that, wait a minute, I think you called me one day. You're like, I didn't know that my, my job actually pays for me to go to. The-. I'm like, that's a normal thing. <laughs> he's like, I didn't know that was a thing. So he asked them and they told him. And he's like, well, shoot, I'll go then. Right. And it's been nonstop since you just do what you got to do now. Yeah. Now that you realize that the resources are right at the tip of your fingers. Right. But it was for me to tell him, hey, I know you're not in Canada, but you got a good job. So you might need to call your HR and ask them if you have insurance. Right. I mean, it's, it's like everything else. You know, exposure leads to expansion. And once you're mm-hmm. exposed to these things and, and it makes sense, then all right. Now you're equipped with that knowledge and it's what you do with it from there. 
She's like, I can go to this for free. They got free probably health care uh, as far as like mental health services right. sessions that you probably didn't know about. A whole bunch of stuff, just yeah. good access. So what was that process like for you finding a doctor? Did somebody recommend one? Did you look them up, see reviews? What, what was that like? Uh, so like I said, still at this time, I uh, was on the road, working on the road. So really it was kind of, um, mm -hmm. kind of going through our uh, health and safety department, which I ended up joining. Um, I was, I'm an environmental health and safety manager now, but I've been doing that uh, about the last 10, 12 years. So we had um, different facilities, different clinics and stuff that we had relationships with that I just ended up kind of starting my own personal relationship with those clinics. Different places like Concentra and things like that. And then from there, they would uh, recommend specialists or, or regular uh, family physicians. Mm -hmm. So did it take you a while? Like, was it a trial and error type deal? Or were you looking for somebody specific? Like, all right, I got to find me somebody black or find me a male. Like, everybody uh, has their individual thing, what they're looking for for uh, a primary care physician. Yes, yeah, no, nah, because it, it was still so new to me that I didn't know what to look for in a, in a primary care physician. I just, all right, doc, what's going on? You know, <laughs> tell what I need mm -hmm. to do. And I, so at, at that point, it really uh, didn't matter. So it wasn't until later uh, when her and I moved here and um, we linked up with uh, a good friend of her now, a good friend of ours, uh, Dr. Jones. That has pretty much taken care of us the last eight years that we've been here. Yeah, coming here and having um, Dr. Barbara Joy Jones, um, it helped me to bring myself back to some normalcy because that's what I'm used to, having a doctor that I have a personal relationship with because my doctor was my doctor since I was a kid. So, um, and he literally just reti retired like two weeks ago, um, my dad told me. <laughs> so um, with that said, when I got here and Joy was already a friend of mine, Dr. Jones, it made it so much easier because she knew I could I could speak to her freely. I wasn't afraid to tell her anything like I wasn't afraid to tell, you know, Dr. DiCecco back at home. And then um, not only that, if it was something that was outside of her skill set at the time because she was in residency, she always made sure she recommended us to whoever she felt would take care of us. And she recommended us to people with love. Yeah. So we were blessed to have mm -hmm. her as our doctor because she just made the process very simple right. um, to take care of ourselves. So when Kenny first got diagnosed with high blood pressure, Siobhan, where were you kind of at during that time period as far as your own health journey? Because I know women usually will go for their usual pap smears every year, every three, three to five years, depending on your age and past medical history. But a lot of women also don't have their own primary care physician along that journey with them. They usually, when they come to tell me, it's like, oh, I just go to see my OB guy for everything. But then I ask them, well, when's the last time they checked your cholesterol? They're like, I don't know, they, they don't do that stuff. So what was it like for you kind of transitioning over or getting a PCP? Well, here's the thing, I've had, I had one since I, was a, since I was born. You know, that was Dr. Echeco that I was just telling you about that just um, mm -hmm. retired a couple of weeks ago. But when I um, left and went to school and came back, um, because of you know some laws he wasn't able to continue to to take care of me because i was i had moved to the u.s and there's like some you know healthcare laws he didn't realize that i was actually moving back home 
he thought I was just trying to come home for some free help. And so we ended up kind of cutting ties. But I came home and I stayed there for seven years. I was at home. And um, during that time, I got, I had Kira and I had my son. So I had a new primary care doctor that one of my good friends had went to since she was a child. Because all of my friends, this was normal. In Canada, it's free healthcare. So everybody has a family doctor, you know? So I just asked my friends, who do you guys think I should go to? And my closest friend said, go to this doctor. So up until I moved here, I've just always, and even when I moved here, then I had Joy, so, or Dr. Jones, sorry. So I've had primary care physicians my whole life. <laughs> like, it's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and uh, Kenny, did you kind of start after you got diagnosed with high blood pressure, start trying to figure out more about your own family history, just asking other individuals, like uncles, aunts, kind of their history, so you can better know your, your family history and genes and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. By that time, like I said, um, by the time I had got diagnosed, uh, my mother had already passed away, and my father was already bedridden from a, a stroke caused by uh, hypertension and high blood pressure. Um, so yeah, after that, it was just asking questions and just finding out that it was pretty uh, prevalent through both sides of my family, uh, my mom's side and my dad's side. Uh, my mom was one of eleven, and all. Uh, ten of her siblings were all on high blood pressure medication as well. Knowing that uh, both of my grand, um, both sides of my family, as far as my uh, grandparents, uh, all the same thing. You know, so like I said, not mm-hmm. having access to uh, early health care, things like that, just not never got a chance not to, you know, to prevent it. <laughs> it was like it was inevitable, right. without, you know, having that, having those resources. Yeah. So how are you all approaching healthcare now, like after pandemic, after this situation? Like, are we getting yearly physicals? Are we paying more attention to our diet? Like, how how are y'all doing with healthcare? Pretty much so running my house the way my parents ran theirs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody gets, the kids are in the dentist every six months. Um he goes for his checkups all the time. Um, we're trying so hard to do better with the eating. That's our number one struggle because our lifestyles are so busy. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as vitamins, ever since COVID, my kids have to have their vitamins every day. I'm pumping supplements on them all the time. Um, it's just the, the the diet part that we struggle with. And even you're a little bit better with activity because mm-hmm. you can play basketball at work and stuff. I'm completely struggling just due to scheduling to actually be physically mm-hmm. fit again. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so with you guys, um, yearly physicals are going to the doctor's visits. Do y'all usually go together as a couple or y'all kind of go solo dolo? I know different couples approach things um, differently. Uh, typically, just like she said, because of scheduling and uh, the, the pace, you know, which our lives is at right, are at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably go solo, but if it's time to, you know, uh, for chart reading or something like that, we reading results from any kind of labs or mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know, we'll join one another so we both can hear it and, you know, attack it how need we, attack it together, you know, mm-hmm. as need be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what a lot of couples, they come to see me, and if they may come, like, the guy by himself, like, 
Unfortunately, they don't pay attention to their health as much, so they'll call their wife and have her on speakerphone. Like, all right, he about to explain everything, and then <laughs> she's going to explain it in terms that he can understand. I'm like, she just said the same I, thing I'm doing. Like, yeah. yeah, I feel like most of the time men want the women to hear it so that we can actually take action for them. Yeah. Um, because the times mm-hmm. when I've been called into the room, it's a matter of, being told you need to make sure he eats properly, you need to cook. Yeah, because she, she, to... she don't believe it when it comes from me. So I do believe it. You got to hear it straight from the doctor's <laughs> mouth. Like, listen, um, don't kill me if we don't stop this. Did you speak? <laughs> you, you, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Hey, man, that's what, that's what some, some of the battles be when, when I'm talking to patients and they're like, my wife likes to cook so much food mm. and I'm trying to get her to decrease like portion sizes, but then she don't think I, I don't love her anymore because I'm not eating her <laughs> yeah. food as much. So you you got to write this down and sign it so you can tell her to stop cooking so much <laughs> food for me. <laughs> yeah. That's not his problem. So <laughs> the way... <laughs> I'm ordering so much food. <laughs> but no, we oh, just, man. like I said, that's, so high paced and, and with her career um, being a realtor and usually showing houses and dealing with clients and stuff in the evenings, you know, we coming in and we haven't done any meal prepping. By the time we both get in the house, we realize that everything is still in the freezer frozen. So mm-hmm. now it's, let's order something. So every time I'm thinking that mm-hmm. I'm not going to eat this way, mm-hmm. the time crunch, all right, ordering pizza and wings or ordering Chinese, it's just like, mm-hmm. it's not helping. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, it, it definitely ain't malicious. We just got to get a better grip on our mm-hmm. scheduling and all. Uh, pre-planning. How much of an influence do you think the way you guys approach health is going to impact your children as far as like kind of the repetitious nature that it seems like y'all have right now about them going to the doctors, going to see the dentist, the way they watch you exercise and eat? Like how much of an influence do you think y'all will have on them? Yeah, yeah. I agree with her. I think it's I think it's gonna be major. Like I said, uh, for it's me growing up, yeah, yeah, not seeing it, it was it wasn't a big deal, you know. But now that I, mm-hmm. I've been in, introduced to it, and my wife and I've been practicing it for years now, and that's all they know. That's all they know. So it'd be normal for them. Because mm-hmm. I I've always you know he does what I he follows my lead when it comes to healthcare, and doctors and stuff like that. So since the kids have been born, they've been doing their dentists and their doctors and. So they'll see it the way that I seen it growing up, you know, mm-hmm. and then um, all three of them are athletes. So they'll they'll be on their own journeys at their own points in life where they got to watch their weight for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when I was in college, my coach, that is one thing my coach used to always say. Um, they, he'd always see when we were gaining weight and <laughs> put us on meal plans. <laughs> Tell us that we got to eat. You got to make sure you eat uh, this uh, amount of servings of um, greens a day. That's what they would do. And, you know, make sure that we're drinking our water. So I think that our kids are definitely going to come in with a whole different educated understanding as to what they need to do and why they need to do it at this point. Mm -hmm. And overall, since y'all been going to the doctors, has it always been a good experience? Or is there something that we as physicians or healthcare in general can do better to treat our patients um, overall? We've been blessed. Yeah. I don't know about you, but we've been blessed. Um, Dr. Barbara yeah. Joy Jones, she's just been um, she's just been a, a blessing. Yeah, no, she, she's been amazing for us. She goes um, above and beyond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's 
Like I said, for me, she's my only, you know, primary care physician experience, and I don't have anything to complain mm-hmm. about. And, uh, and then also our relationship outside of her profession, you know, it uh, it affords us to the late night texts, you know, hey. Don't tell people that. This ain't feeling, <laughs> this ain't feeling right. I got to come see you. <laughs> well, here's, here's the thing. Um, here's the thing. She also delivered our last baby. Yeah. In residency, she delivered oh, our, nice. our, our six, right? And she's yeah. her godmother. Yeah. And Joe and I, we actually met as um, bridesmaids in a mutual friend's um, wedding. Um, oh, geez. How mm-hmm. many years ago was that? Over 10 years ago. It was a long time ago. So um, we're real friends. So our experience is definitely unique in that sense. Yeah. Where, you know, she definitely doesn't just write a script. She educates she, us yeah. on what she's writing and why she's writing it. Or what we can do to prevent. So y'all have a super tight relationship. Yes, mm-hmm. t- really tight. <laughs> <laughs> she delivered yeah. that baby. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hands the godmother. Yeah, that's a super tight. I'm not none of any of my patients' uh, godparents. Smile more. No, no, no. <laughs> nope, y'all can't have my number. Y'all send me the message through the portal. Right. Like, that barrier. <laughs> I hear you. Oh, uh, man. So as we kind of close out, what kinds of lasting words of wisdom would you all like to provide people about their health care? Uh, black men, drop the bravado. Go find out. You want to know. ASAP. Yeah. And young. Yeah. Start early. Start early. Start <laughs> early. Um, as my mom said, I'm gonna keep it real simple. Prevention is better than cure. Yeah. You know, prevention is better than cure. And look, I'm on my water kick too, so just drink a lot of water. <laughs> and mind your business. And mind your business. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor's order. Oh man, we got we gotta make that in. We got to make that into a t-shirt. Drink a lot of water and mind your business. <laughs> That's good for mental health. Yeah, y'all y'all mental might see. Health. Yes. Yes, yes. We might put that on a t-shirt and put that on my website. That might sell out in one day. Man. Right. One day. I know we're going to buy some. <laughs> oh, oh, man. So I always kind of end my interviews with uh, Randy's random questions. So I'm gonna just ask y'all a couple of random questions uh, for this end part of this interview. So I'm gonna I'm start off with Kenny. You ready, Kenny? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> are you ready? All right, all right. So, so he doesn't have no yes, filter. Are I'm you ready? ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm ready. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So we, we it's it's just it's just me and you, Kenny. Right. We we just gonna act like Siobhan's not even there. Just me and you, uh, kind of right. chopping it up. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. Just put the hand over face. Yeah. So, what is one thing that Siobhan does that makes you roll your eyes sometimes, but you just gotta hold it in, just kind of, kind of bite your lip? And then, what is one thing that she does that just makes you smile on a regular basis? Uh, the one thing that burns me up. <laughs> this one is relatively new. Probably over the last couple of years, as she's grown in her career. Oh. Uh, she cannot stop a text to answer a question. Like if she's trying to send a text out to somebody and I just happen to interrupt and ask her a question, she would totally ignore me until she get that thought out and that text out. And I'm like, how is it possible? 
Even with the kids, like she'll just really ignore <laughs> everybody till she get that thought out. And it's like, how is it possible that you cannot stop? Answer one of us and then finish a text message. Like this person don't know how long it's gonna take for you to respond to this message. Like they'll get it when you send it. We need an answer now. We're in your face. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, babe, do we need to go to the hospital? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Just give me yeah, one second. Yeah. It's like, no, this, this can't be the case. Uh, the one thing, oh, that, man. Right. yeah, the one thing that that makes me smile that she does, uh, no matter what it is, like we, I mean, we got a pretty good relationship, great relationship. I would say our marriage, we we're in a great place right now with each other. But uh, in like any other relationship, we got moments where we get on each other's nerve. But. Uh, even if we walking around here fake, like we're not talking to each other, she still takes care of me. <laughs> what do you mean? She might slam my plate on the table, but then she still fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> get you a plate, but with no silverware. You're like, oh, sorry, exactly. I can't get no fork. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah get, your own, get your own fork. <laughs> <laughs> Siobhan, it's just me and you. No Kenny there. He's upstairs. He's talking to the kids and stuff. So, what is one thing that Kenny does that makes you want to just strangle him sometimes? Like, ugh. He just kind of gets on my nerves when he does this. And what is one thing that he does that makes you smile? Um, The one thing that just really just irks my nerves is when he checks out, he's all the way out. And that doesn't happen very often, but if something has upset him and he has made up his mind that he is not doing something, like if, if I have had upset him today and he said he wasn't doing this interview, there would be nothing I could say on God's green earth. I could talk about character and we got to go because I told him I was going to do it and it would be a straight up no. <laughs> There's nothing I could do about it. Until tomorrow morning. Thank you, Lord, for letting everything go right today. Right. <laughs> when I tell you, when he shuts it down, it's, a, it's down. <laughs> so I don't like that. I don't like that. Um, what I do love, though, is um, Kenny's ability. I remember I was still in college. One of my best friends from back at home said, I hope you know that there's not going to be not one other person in this whole entire world that knows you the way that man knows you. Like, when I say he puts up with all of my quirks and, and weirdness and things that I would expect, sometimes I'll do something and just look over at him right away and expect to see, like, a look of disgust or expect to see him angry. And he just, la, 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 la. He really just knows how to deal with me. <laughs> it's awesome, actually, because I can tell when I'm a mess. And he's just looking at me like, you good? <laughs> Yeah, he got me. <laughs> he say he didn't he didn't been around it for a while, so he just kind of know how to how to deal with it and how to adjust. He yeah. accepts me, he receives me, and when he doesn't, I know one hundred percent that I was wrong. If this too shall <laughs> pass. 
<laughs> oh man, yeah. so Kenny, we we got this on video. She she admitted when she was wrong. So if you ever need yeah. to go back and play it and listen to it to make you to feel better, it'll be yeah. stitched in time right there. Like okay, yeah, all right. She knows, I don't mind. It. I don't that. mind admitting so, when I'm wrong because it's so little that it's like it happens so rarely. It doesn't bother me to say it every now and then. Stay, stay strong, Kenny. Stay strong, Kenny. Don't don't look over there. <laughs> don't fall for it. It's a trap. It's a right. trap door. Just, just <laughs> okay. You know, I guess rarely oh, is uh, subject to interpretation. <laughs> oh, oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Second question, how cool was it to help build a school in Africa? So here's the thing. We actually are on the board for a program that did that. We weren't on the board Mm -hmm. for the program when they did that. Um, But we are super proud and excited that they asked us to be on it. And they are giving us some, um, they're giving us some power and some, what's the word? We, we, We have a voice in what we're going to do moving forward with this foundation. So um, it's called Mm -hmm. the DNA um, Foundation, and there's a diamond ball coming up here in Atlanta in October, Mm -hmm. and we're going to be doing that fundraising, and it's going to be whatever the next initiatives are going to be because they were based out of Canada to start, and then they branched off into um, the U.S. Whatever the next set of initiatives are going to be, we're actually going to have some say in that. Yeah. So if even if for your for your you know your show, um, if your people want to call in, email in, and say, hey, listen, there's you know an area in Atlanta that got these kids that need you know help throughout the yeah. school year or whatever the cases are, you know we welcome people sending in some ideas because we can take it back to this foundation now mm-hmm. and continue mm-hmm. to help them with their works in Ghana, yeah. but also start taking <clears throat> some stuff over here as well. Exactly. It, it gives a, give us the opportunity to to do something that's super passionate for both of us, and that's making an impact. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to help people underserved communities, underserved regions of the country, and also the world. Yeah. So, uh, my, that's something that uh, we both are greatly looking forward to getting more and more involved in. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what's up. That's that's real big of y'all to do something like that and be involved with that. Yeah. And last question, if y'all had to use one word to describe each one of y'all's children, what word would you use to describe them? <laughs> you can start off with the oldest and go to the youngest, wow. picking whichever word that you want would want to use. Mm. Start the oldest. Okay. Uh, wow. Kara, the 16-year-old. Uh, I don't know. She's so many things. Yeah. Think of one mm. thing, though. Kira is unpredictable. Mm. She's unpredictable. Uh, just when you think she don't care, she actually does. Mm-hmm. Just when you think she should care, she actually doesn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. <laughs> yeah, she, she's super... Uh, Unpredictable, I would go with for Kira. Yeah, uh, for me, I would say Kira is Kira's me. <laughs> yeah. She is me. Um, she's a workhorse, but she also has her moments where she shut it down. Yeah. 
Yeah, you you mm-hmm. from the outside looking in, I have my, my moments where you actually <laughs> might think I'm lazy because <laughs> right. I'm like, I don't want it. Nope, nope. For the next three hours, right. I'm not doing a thing. Um, but for the most part, I'm super duper productive, and that's Kira. So I would say she's me. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, next, Lil Kenny. Uh, just that he's Lil Kenny. That's you. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 a little, he's really a little me. Uh, but I think the difference between him and I at uh, his age is his exposure. Mm-hmm. His exposure is, is totally different than mine. So his curiosity is a lot more broad than mine is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got... Uh, I almost got a perfectionist way about him when he's mm-hmm. interested. Mm-hmm. When he's interested, he mm-hmm. want to get it right. He want to know every detail of it, and that, that, that's awesome in him. But uh, Martin, he was in, he was um, uh, invited to the gifted program. Yeah. So he's smart. Yeah, but that's me. I was gifted in school too. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but we saying one one word. Yeah. What what's the one word? Smart. Yeah, he's definitely I think smart. He's a smart he's kid. He's a smart kid. He's a smart kid. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, he, he controls the football field. He actually tells the other eight-year-olds <laughs> where to line up on the football, yeah. like on the line. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a young general. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he out there telling them, hey, you need to be like two inches off the line or we going to get Literally. a flag and all type of stuff. Moving people over. Yeah. Yeah. And we yeah. have videos of him actually running over, moving somebody up and, and running back to his spot. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. He's okay. He's a little different in that aspect for his age. Yeah. He's ahead of himself. Yeah. Casey. Oh boy. The baby girl. Ooh. Uh, Casey is. Y'all faces both when y'all say Casey. Yeah. Live wire. Yeah. If it's one word, it's gonna be handful. We have a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Casey, Casey is going to say and do what Casey wants to say and do. But Casey's got the biggest Casey heart out of all three of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I lost my um, cousin the other day. And I just had a whole mental breakdown. Mm. And Casey just literally sat right beside me, put her arm around me, six years old. And she mm. just cried with me. Yeah. Not even baby cry, like... Like a grown-up cry, and I had to catch myself because I'm like, I don't want this baby feeling this emotion. But she's the one Mm -hmm. that's gonna check on me when I'm sick, peek her head in the door, be like, "Mommy, you okay?" The other ones on the game, Mm -hmm. you know, on the phone. Yeah, but she gonna check on me. Yeah, I might go nurture her. She's definitely a nurturer. She's the one that you fall asleep on the couch or something. She'll go get the blanket and cover you up. But she's tough. Okay, so she going to get the throw. She ain't going to back down from a fight, though. Yeah, yeah she, but she's tough. <laughs> you got smoke, she <laughs> Oh, man. The baby yeah. with the smoke, man. Yep. Oh, yeah. Looking so cute and so innocent. Be like, nah, that's the one you should watch out for. The one in the that's corner. The one. Yeah. yeah. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. That's the one. Yep. All right, so I'm going to let y'all off the hot seat. I appreciate y'all for participating in the podcast, also doing Randy's random questions, and good luck in all your future endeavors. Thank yeah, you so much, Dr. Yeah. Randy. Appreciate we really appreciate you for you. having us. Yeah, it was fun, too. Uh, anytime we get a chance to do it, we'll stop by.
hope this episode made you reflect on your own health and how you grew up. How much of your upbringing influenced how you approach your healthcare as an adult? Has it influenced it for the better or for the worse? Just something to reflect on. Thank you, Kenny and Siobhan, for being on. Make sure you all go follow them on their social media channels. They're located in the show description. Also, be sure to check out DrRandyMD.com to learn about me, your host, and check out some of my swag. Do people still say that word? I don't know. Check out some of my merchandise. We're going to go with merchandise instead of swag on my website, DrRandyMD.com. I will be back next week with more health information. And as always, stay healthy physically and mentally. And check out my YouTube channel. Do that too. While you're staying healthy physically and mentally, just go to YouTube, search on call with Dr. Randy, and you'll find this episode on there. Y'all have a good week. <laughs>